Welcome to Daily Devotion with Ken Gurley. Devotions designed to inspire you on your daily walk with God. Each day we walk through the vital principles of the abundant life. Our Lord can do above and beyond all we ask or think. Here's your host, Ken Gurley. Someone once said that God is up to 10,000 things, but we only know three of them. No, we don't know what all God is doing. But this one thing we know, he is working his plan. Does that bear witness in your heart today? I love the way the message translates John 1.1. The word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. This is a season when Jesus has come to us in a unique way. He's moved into our community, that which comes from being the body of Christ and becoming his hands and feet. We are at work in our world today. It's fundamental to who we are as followers of Jesus Christ. A while back, there was a weather front that moved through our area. I remember it was on a Friday. It was wild, heavy winds, rain, thunder, lightning. I sat at the breakfast table and watched as the wild weather sent blinding sheets of wind-driven rain across our backyard. I saw the trees bend beneath the wind. And I sense God speaking to me. For what must have been an hour, I sat there watching and listening for God's voice. My attention was fastened on a single tree, the lone tree. Before I read a verse of scripture, let me give you the backdrop for it. The church of Corinth was really in a mess. Founded in the belly of the beast, one of the most corrupt civilizations known to man. And believers there were trying to outdo one another in their spirituality, racing after this prophet or that one, slicing and dicing each other into this camp or that one, one upping each other in spiritual gifts. It was a proud performance-based worship, so contrary to the Lord Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul wrote to Corinth, two of his several letters made their way into our Bibles, One of the unique qualities of these letters is their mention of Satan. Paul rarely mentions Satan or the devil in his other writings. He views Satan as a defeated foe conquered by Calvary. All believers have to do is claim that victory and live in that victory. But to Corinth, he identifies that their behavior was more demonic than divine, more witchcraft than worship focused on self and pleasing self more than on God and pleasing God. They had picked up various gifts of the Spirit, each valid in its own right, but they used these gifts like weapons against one another, boasting of greater knowledge, greater authority, greater power, defying the very one who on the night of Calvary said, the greatest among you will be the servant of them all. Sandwiched between two chapters on the use of spiritual gifts, Paul said, You do know that all of your gifts will vanish, but there are some things that will remain. 1 Corinthians 13, 13. And now abide faith, hope, love, these three. But the greatest of these is love. That Friday, I watched as the weather system passed through our area And I saw the lightning flash and I heard something crack. And in a moment, that lone tree that I'd been focused on in a neighbor's yard, it just bore the mark of being struck by lightning. The entire top of the tree 
was severed by a bolt of lightning, and I saw the top plummet to the ground. And the Spirit of the Lord began to speak to me about that lone tree, pine cones flung from the tree, pine needles stripped from its branches, but the tree remained, missing some of its extrinsic elements, but intrinsically it was still alive, still capable of life, and today it still stands. It was as if God said to me, you are watching what I'm doing to my church. I'm teaching you what I had to teach Corinth. Some things that we think are essential to life are not, but some are. So long as we're rooted and grounded in love, so long as we're reaching out in faith, so long as we're raised with him by hope, we can make it through any storm of life. What does that mean to we children of God? It means that our sufficiency is wrapped up in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so long as we're rooted and grounded in him, we have what it takes to survive these last day storms. It's toward the end of the book of Acts when Luke tells of Paul's journey to Rome, fulfilling the promise of destiny that was suspended over his life. They're aboard a ship on the Adriatic and it sailed into a 14-day storm. How bad was it? Well, day one, they passed ropes under the ships just to tie it together. Day two, they threw the cargo overboard. Day three, they threw all of the ship's tackle overboard. You see, when you go through a storm, you're going to find out what is essential, what is needful for this church, this old ship of Zion, this faith, this hope and love, the essential things. These three are not just found in 1 Corinthians 13. They're found grouped together in all of Paul's writings, Galatians 5, 1 Thessalonians 1, 1 Thessalonians 5. Paul grouped faith, hope, and love together. I can find 22 gifts of the Spirit in the New Testament church. I find the gifts of administrations, helps, offices, communications, and so forth. They are as needful today in the 21st century as they were in the first century church. But when eternity dawns, those 22 gifts will fall by the wayside. For we will know even as we are known. But faith and hope and love, those will remain. We need that faith once delivered to the church. The faith in one God. The faith in a common salvation and one saving gospel. The death, the burial, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. We need that hope. We need the hope of a life beyond the here and now. And yes, we need the love that was shed abroad on Calvary's single tree. One lone tree in the Garden of Eden wrecked mankind. One lone tree on Calvary restored mankind. We were destroyed by a tree. We have been raised up by a tree. A tree called the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. I sat there at the breakfast table looking out the window on that Friday as a tree bore the wrath of heaven. And I thought again of Calvary. Jesus didn't hide from the storm, but no, like a lightning rod, his cross attracted the judgment of heaven. He was struck down and buried, but there is the hope of a tree. At the scent of water, it shall rise again, and Christ rose again. What does it mean to the church? What does it mean to you and I? 
It means we cling to the faith, hope, and love wrapped up in that solitary tree, Calvary. What does it mean to you and me as individuals? It means that we should boast very selectively. We need to boast in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul was of the tribe of Benjamin, the first royal tribe of Israel. Paul was a Pharisee of the Pharisees, the religious blue bloods of his day. Paul was taught by none other than Gamaliel, the greatest teacher of his day. He was a citizen of Rome, a coveted social position. He excelled in education and learning. To the Philippians, Paul said all of these things. I have suffered the loss of all these things, those things that once mattered to me. They just don't matter to me any longer. I consider them worthless because of what Jesus has done for me. All that I once thought of as having tremendous value, I discard it. I count it as trash today. I don't measure my righteousness by obeying the law. I measure it by my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul said in Philippians 3, I want to know Christ. I want to experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. Paul said, I once had the forest, but now I'm focusing on one tree, a lone tree where Jesus died for me. Galatians 6, Paul said, God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything, but a new creation. It doesn't matter, Paul said to those Galatians, how spiritual you think you are. By racing back to the law and back to flesh, You can take all of your trappings of spiritual pedigrees and religious spirituality. What matters most is the lone tree, the tree that bore the judgment of heaven. At some point, the history books will be written, and we will see our lives as starkly as before Christ and after Christ. Before him, we were nothing. We had nothing. After him, he made us something. We have everything. When the history books are written of this day and this hour, what will they say of the 21st century church? Will they said that the church by and large was self-satisfied, driven by personal preferences? Will they say we captured a glimpse of that lone tree where the creator of the world gave himself for the creature and something happened to us? And we return to being servants of the cross. Does that humble you? It should. Oh, yes, it should. Does that inspire you? It must. For we are nearer eternity than we have ever been. Soon, very soon, the temporal gifts of the Spirit will completely fade away. There will be no need for prophecy when the shadows leave and the substance appears. There will be no need for words of wisdom and knowledge, for we will know even as we are known. There will be no need for tongues when every tribe, every kindred, every tongue, and every nation lift our voice in majesty before the Lord. But your faith, it will endure. 
Your hope will endure. Love will endure. Have you ever wondered why is love called the greatest? There are a lot of theories. Some say it's because both faith and hope are born of love. We believe only in that which we love, and we hope only for that which we love. Some say love is the greatest because love is focused on others, while faith and hope focus primarily on self. Some say, and I think this is getting the closest, love is the greatest because God is love. And when we get to heaven, our hopes will have been realized. The object of our faith will be seen. Faith will vanish from sight. Hope will be emptied into delight. Love in heaven will shine more bright. Therefore, give us love. You see, in that lone tree, Paul said through the cross, the world was crucified to me and I to the world. And it's all wrapped up in that lone tree, the single tree of Calvary, where God revealed himself to man and he shed his love abroad in our hearts. Today, I want you to lift your eyes to Calvary. I want you to go back to that old rugged cross. I want you to survey the wondrous cross and realize what happened on that cross was just for you. And then I want you to arise and say, by the power and the authority of the name of Jesus, I step into the sufficiency of Calvary. And I call Christ alive into each and every situation. He is alive. Thank you for sharing in daily devotion with Ken Gurley. We pray this ministry has been a source of encouragement and strength to you. Please be mindful that your financial support enables us to meet with you each day. To give a donation or connect with us, visit our website at kengurley.com. There you will also find the latest books, podcasts, and resources. Blessed, 90 Days to Change Your World is Pastor Gurley's latest book. You can get your copy of this life-changing book at kengurley.com. May God's favor rest on you in every way. Until we meet again.